Four straight losses for the Phoenix Suns after another tough trip to New Orleans. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down the overtime loss by the Suns to the Pelicans on the road on Sunday and what this streak more broadly tells us about this team. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Monday. Not the best way to start the week with two more losses stacking up for the Phoenix Suns, but nevertheless, you are here. So a big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Hit follow, hit subscribe wherever you're finding us, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, we're everywhere. The best way to keep us Going is just to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you are finding us. If you're on YouTube, hit the bell down below, get a notification every time this show goes live and drop me your take on this weekend slate of games against the Phoenix, uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll dive in mostly on Sunday's game today, the overtime loss, 129-124. to 124. Uh, I think there were some similarities, some differences, so we'll get through that as well. Today's show, guys, brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, so normally in these uh, post-game shows we talk about, we start with the moment of the game. And I had something circled in terms of... uh, uh, stretch in that third quarter where the Pelicans really went off kind of between two timeouts about the eight minute mark to about the four minute mark four five minute mark Zion goes off whatever we'll talk about the transition defense in the next segment actually because I think that's worthy of a much bigger conversation that was going to be my moment of the game instead I'm going to make it the final 40 seconds of regulation um, because of how crazy this came this game got you had specifically Aiton and Chris Paul fouling out. All right. So let's start with Aiton fouling out. 36 second mark of the uh, of regulation. DeAndre Aiton picks up his sixth foul. Now he had just checked in not too long before that um, with five fouls. And not having him in the fourth quarter overall was was pretty massive. I mean, he was... Very, very good throughout both of these games, 25 and 10s plus in both games. He had just checked in in the one minute at the one minute and 48 second mark. He only survived until that 36 second mark. So that's the big, the first big inflection point. Then right after that, um, the foul that he he gave was on Zion. Tic-tac foul, I don't, you know, he had his hands down instead of his hands up. He didn't have amazing position. He didn't, you know, it it was very similar, and a lot of people were pointing this out online to some of the fouls Giannis was getting in the finals. But look, that's what these players, that's what they do. It's it's not just those two guys. It's not just Giannis and Zion. It's Joel Embiid. It's, you know, past players like Shaq, whatever. There's uh, LeBron, there's a million examples of this. And Zion's just one of those guys. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt because he is a freight train going downhill. So he gets to the line. He misses one of the two free throws, though. 
Then Damian Lee gets to the line. And that's right after Josh uh, Torrey Craig had made a couple of really, really big free throws to tie the game at 113. Lee makes both of his free throws, so it's a one-point game. Then you have Chris Paul. Um, he gets a, a foul himself. Doesn't fully... Well, it's <laughs> it's tricky. He gets a, a, a fifth foul there, and... Najee Marshall makes one of the two free throws. Then Chris Paul gets the ball back with four seconds left, ties the game, and it's at that point where Chris Paul then uh, ends up getting his sixth foul. So he kicks his foot out, and it decides the game. I mean, it, it, it effectively... In overtime, when he kicks the foot out, it it, it it ends up being the difference in the game, in my opinion. Now, Chris Paul is not, uh, he did not necessarily have his very best game, but Josh Okogie checks in for the final couple seconds of regulation. He gets that fifth foul. Then in the, pretty much right away in overtime, Chris Paul gets his sixth foul. It's at the two minute and 52 second mark, but not a lot had really happened. He got an assist to Torrey Craig in the corner for three. Then he gets this sixth foul. So I guess it's not just the final 40 seconds of regulation, but it's from that point on, you have the sixth foul for Ayton, a bunch of missed free throws, a very clutch jumper by Chris Paul, and then this kick out of the legs where Willie Green challenges the call. Zion um, kind of barrels into Paul, but not in a way that would have happened had Chris Paul not milked the contact a little bit. And so there you get that sixth foul. And so it, it, it really changed the outset of the game because you have the Suns coming back by these missed Pelicans free throws. You have some clutch free throw making from Akogi, from, I keep saying Akogi, from Craig, from Lee, and ultimately the jumper from Chris Paul at the right elbow over Dyson Daniels. But then quickly, Aiton not being in catches up with them because Landale makes some mistakes. And then you have Chris Paul leaving the game. And, and from the moment that Chris Paul leaves the game, the Suns had 120 points. They were already down at that point. Um, and they only scored four more points. So I'm not saying they win the game with Chris Paul because, again, he was 3 of 10 from the field overall, only six points, that jumper that he had over Daniels at the end of regulation. I believe that was his only made shot in the second half. I think both of his, he was two of seven, I think, at halftime of this game. And then he made that one at the very end. So, you know, he was he was shying away from taking shots. He was um, missing ones that he normally makes. He had to pull up three at one point late in the fourth quarter. That would have uh, been a good time to take over, I think, about the four, four or five minute mark of the fourth quarter. So <clears throat> I'm not sitting here telling you that if these things don't happen, if Chris Paul stays in the game, if DeAndre Ayton stays in the game, that the Suns undoubtedly win it. But it had a lot to do with why they did not win it. Because again, Ayton was massive. So even if Chris Paul wasn't, you had Ayton in the first game on Friday with 25 and 14. He played 40 minutes, got to the free throw line five times. Then in this game, 28, 12, and five assists. 
Um, played 33 minutes, would have played more if not for the foul trouble. Defended Zion very well in this game. I thought in terms of especially not fouling him, Zion got to the line 12 times in 37 minutes played on Friday. In 42 minutes played today, only seven trips to the line. Zion also turned the ball over five times. So you lose that defense, you lose the production, you lose the rebounding. And then Chris Paul, really the only initiator who was who was reliable? Campaign was fine tonight. Three assists, three turnovers, not quite 50% from the field. I thought he was pretty solid. He had a nice stretch in that third quarter, actually, right after the transition scoring dominance that, that the Pelicans showed where, where Payne got things back on track. So it could have gone either way. The Suns fought in this game. They did not only get production from Ayton and Paul, of course, but to get to fight all the way to get back and then to have both of your players in the course of a couple minutes, your two best players in theory, Bridges probably was tonight too, go out. It's, it's a tough blow to survive. And so it really nailed the coffin shut. Let's go back to that transition defense. We won't zoom in on the third quarter too, too much, but there's some bigger trends overall with this season that I think matter here that this doubleheader, so to speak, illustrated. And so I want to dive into the Fast break, transition side of the game. In just, just one sec, first today's show, guys, brought to you by Rocket Money. I just got an email uh, from a bundle subscription that I had set for streaming that I literally forgot that I had. Not only did it remind me that I had been paying for it, but it told me, hey, we're going to be increasing our prices by like $3 a month. And so I went in, tried to click cancel, but lo and behold... The process, the charge had already gotten processed. That's why I love using Rocket Money. When I remembered to, formerly known as Truebill, this uh, subscription, this this service, Truebill, uh, Rocket Money, does exactly what I forgot to do. And it can do it for you as well. <laughs> Truebill, Rocket Money, gets the subscriptions loaded into it and it reminds you what you have, what you're paying and when to cancel. That's it. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the total is actually closer to $200 plus. Rocket Money shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged. So to cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions like the one I got rid of with Rocket Money right now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds of dollars per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Coming into tonight's game in the month of December, which uh, is a half a dozen games or so for the Suns, they were 30th in transition defense in points allowed per possession on transition possessions defensively. So when other when opponents pushed the pace, the Suns were the worst in the league at stopping them so far in the month of December. That was heading into tonight's game, okay? And not only were they the worst in the NBA in the month of December, they were three points per 100 possessions worse than the 29th ranked team. So they were... They were horrible. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know of a better way to put it. And tonight, they go against a Pelicans team that lives on that side of the ball, obviously. And they allow, let's see, the final number was 19 
fast break points by the Pelicans. Not only that, but the Pelicans got, uh, I'm loading it, 100, basically 1.7 points per possession when they pushed the pace tonight. Okay, so coming into the game, it was already a weakness. I would say it was even worse in this game. And transition and fast break are a little different. It sometimes can be hard in a publicly available stat to find transition pure points. So they had 19 fast break points, New Orleans did, and then the Suns allowed 1.7 points per transition possession. So no matter what angle you look at it from, incredibly ugly. The Pelicans added 9.5 points per 100 possessions to their scoring efficiency level when they when they pushed the pace tonight. That's all per cleaning the glass. This is not it's just not going to it's just not going to work, all right? I believe the the stretch that I was able to find in that third quarter that I talked about was a 16 to 5 run by the Pelicans mostly by way of Zion Dyson Daniels, um, different guys just running, just getting turnovers and running. The Suns had 14 turnovers in this game. But again, they were bad going in. And I would say if there's one thing to be that's been a constant in this losing streak that is abnormal for the Suns, it is that, all right? It's transition defense. Now, A lot of people have pointed out the fact, and I'm not going to argue, we'll talk about this much more as the days and weeks go along, but I just wanted to recap these games because there was a lot to talk about, but people have rightly noted, and I I don't disagree, I talked about it as the Suns lost the Dallas, Boston, all those games, that they don't have the firepower. And I think when you run up against uh, a, a situation where Zion scores 35 today and 30 two two 35 point games back to back on you you have to be able to match firepower with firepower he is a a scoring weapon unlike basically anything in the NBA he was 27 of 48 from the field etc 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 the suns did not have enough offensively to match that especially in this game which i took too long to say booker did not play in this game right so the second one you don't you don't have booker you don't have anything else but you can't also lose the little stuff, all right? And so I don't want to miss the forest for the trees. I'm not looking past the lack of firepower that the Suns have. But the fact is, they were in this game. They fought. They Even in that third quarter, where I was all ready to tell you guys that was the moment that decided this game, the Suns turned around and they made it a six-point quarter. They scored 35 in that quarter. They figured it out. They outscored the Pelicans by five in the fourth quarter limiting them to just 19. I thought in both of these games, the Suns shot the ball very well. They they took advantage of the fact that the Pelicans were helping away from the, on the weak side especially, but just in general, trying to clog up the paint. Once they knew Aiton was going to be a focal point of the Suns' game plan, they were doubling him in the post. They were sending bodies on the catch, everything else. The Suns were good at, at making threes happen, but all of that stacks up to say when you when you put yourself in position, when you're doing the little things to try to scratch and claw back in a game, when you're trying to keep up with a great scorer like Zion, you cannot allow the opponent to get easy buckets by giving them turnovers and then not getting back and defending off of those live ball situations. And the Suns have been bad about that all 
week. All, I mean, month, I guess you would say the month is basically just this week. And really, I mean, all season, I, I think you could say it hasn't been it hasn't been great. I, I can tell you their season long mark here in a second. I believe it's middle of the pack. I think it was 14th. But against Dallas, I told you guys after that game, the first quarter when Josh Green checked in and him and Luca took over, just scoring and scoring and scoring. They go on a 22 to 4 run in uh in the end of that to end that first quarter and they basically that's the difference in the whole game then you go to Wednesday against Boston the the Celtics are uh there was a a clip going viral if you guys are on Twitter or Reddit or anything where they get a, a three by Grant uh, Grant Williams in the fourth quarter I almost said Grant Hill that's uh sun speak coming out for you guys uh, right corner Grant Hill three where Chris Paul eventually kind of like stumbles his way out to contest it they're taking the ball left and right from uh, Derek White and Marcus Smart are taking the ball, just just stealing the ball from DeAndre Ayton's hands, like he's not even, uh, like he's not even there. It's a mannequin holding the ball, and somehow the Suns aren't getting back, even when it's that obvious. Okay, so this has been a, a problem all year long, all month long, especially, and it was even more pronounced tonight. Yeah, the Suns were 16th in transition defense on the season, heading into tonight's game. Uh, offensively, New Orleans was fifth. So this was bound to be a deciding factor. But if the Suns didn't have other things, you would think that they would be able to shore this up. They had a bigger lineup in there tonight. Maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. Dario Saric starting the game. But regardless, you zero in on whether it's that third quarter or whether it's just these two games overall. I mean, even on, on Friday when I wouldn't say it was as glaring the Pelicans still had 18 fast break points. The Suns had uh, more turnovers uh, in that one. They had 16 turnovers in that game, only 14 tonight. But it's a big reason when you're talking about putting yourself in position to win and you suffer two fairly narrow losses. Neither one of these were blowouts, all right? 11 points on Friday, 5 points here on Sunday. And losses nonetheless. If the Suns clean up their transition defense... They don't give up those opportunities by turning the ball over. Jock Landale had a lot of those. They're in much better position even to win the game. I would say they probably win today's game with everything else going on uh, if they clean that up. You can't allow a team to just score basically an easy two points. 1.7 points per possession in transition for New Orleans today. That's basically two. That's basically when they got a transition opportunity, it was a bucket. That can't happen. All right, we will... Close things out, looking a little bit more at Devin Booker's injury. We'll do it as a bench mob vibe check just for you guys who know that segment through and through, but uh, really, it'll be on Booker next. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We just hired a business administration specialist for my job. We needed somebody to manage the schedule of the director of the institute I work at. We needed somebody to help us uh, organize things, get our events uh, put together a little bit more nicely, let us know what's going on across campus. We put that job up. We let everybody in our LinkedIn network know we were hiring, and then we use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so we could quickly prioritize who we knew we wanted to interview and then eventually hired her. You want to start 
2023 strong. The right team member can help you do that. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Closing out the show here with uh, Benchmob Vibe Check. A little bit uh, modified today, though, because Devin Booker was out. I mentioned that in the last segment. He is dealing with hamstring Tightness, I think, is what they're calling it. He's day-to-day. I believe it's his right hamstring. But anyone who's been a Suns fan for any real amount of time knows this is uh, it's it's a built-in part of the season, right? Here we are. It's the winter, and uh, Devin Booker is going to miss some time with a hamstring injury. It, it happens every year, but I think a few things are true, okay? I think... I think you can expect that it's going to happen and you can still be a little bit critical when it does. So December 2nd of last season is uh, a a few games in a row where Booker does not play from December 2nd through the 16th. I believe that was hamstring last year. Um, uh, The injury in the playoffs last year, uh, I believe, was hamstring. You had um, the year before, 2020-21, from January 3rd to January 30th. I think that might have been COVID. I actually think that year he might have avoided it. Maybe we got to start the season in December every year um, in order to avoid the Devin Booker thing. But as I said, you can you can expect it and still be a little bit critical of it because the, the reality is, nevertheless, that Booker has been playing an absurd amount of minutes since Chris Paul went out of the lineup. In the month of December, Booker was playing... Uh, in the month of November, sorry, Booker played 36.3 minutes per game. And even when Chris Paul was healthy, I guess I'm looking at it now, in October, um, Booker was at 37.1. December's a little bit wonky because he um, had the game when he went out, which uh, last game, the the Boston game, he didn't play the fourth quarter, and so he was only at 25. In the Spurs game, they blew them out in the opposite direction, so he did not have to uh, play the fourth quarter. They won that game by 38. Bottom line is, Monty did not, does not do Booker any favors at times. Now, I'm again, I'm not going to put blame in either direction. The reality is, Booker tends to only miss a bit of time. A week here, a week there two weeks, whatever. It's not like he has these debilitating injuries. It's not, you know, Chris Paul in his Rockets years where he was missing, you know, lots and lots of games over these hamstring injuries. Booker has been able to bounce back fairly quickly. And at the same time, Monty does need to play Booker that much. And that's kind of where I want to go with this. Today without Booker, the Suns started uh, Dario Saric, which was a little bit peculiar to me. They Went away from him in the second half. They rode Damian Lee. I would have just started Damian Lee. I'm not sure. You zoom out and you look, and Zion still had 35 points. He still was way over 50% from the field. You know, I'm not, I don't know that Dario made a big difference. He was a minus seven in the box score. I honestly thought the biggest thing that he helped when he was in there was offense. He uh, was, was moving the ball well, had three assists in his 21 minutes. He's still not consistent taking shots, getting his legs under him. I don't know when that comes back. I'm not sure you can count on it being at a high level anytime soon. 
But that was about it. The defense didn't really didn't really get helped. And the Suns don't have a lot without Booker. Even if Cam Johnson was back, you know, even if they make a Jay Crowder trade, they're going to need Booker. I'm not telling you guys to worry that they're not going to get Booker back, but this game illustrated that the Suns needed a heaping amount of minutes from Devin Booker in order to be where they were. And they, without Chris Paul, because you're seeing what the game, what the team would have looked like if Booker wasn't at his best, wasn't uh, playing a ton of minutes during the beginning of the season to get to their 16 win mark that they've not been able to increase this week. And you also see a little bit more of, of, of what needs to change, right? I, again, am not going to be the person to overreact. The offense has been ugly. The offense has at times looked hapless. You have those moments where it takes a, you know, rusty Chris Paul taking a, a fallaway prayer of a jumper over Dyson Daniels to even get you to overtime. You have him doing, a, you know, a kind of a cheap shot leg flail thing to try to keep extending the game because he knows he can't just take it over the way that he might want to because of the rust. I'm not going to react too much though. Okay, again, Aiton had 28 points. Mikhail Bridges, who I haven't even mentioned today, was very, very good in most of this game. But those guys aren't takeover players yet. They're not, They maybe they never will be. You know, we, I, I've, I've asked for consistency from them. Mikhail was not good enough at all on Friday. I don't feel like you can rely on him to do it all offensively. I mean, look, he played 45 minutes in this one. He played uh, 35 in the previous game. So, you know, I'm not going to criticize it, but it's just the fact. All right. So all of this to say, and this is one of those games that it's one of those stretches where you start to clamor for answers. And so I apologize if uh, my mind is in a few different directions right now, but It's two things, again, to keep repeating that. It's two things. Booker has been playing too much, and now he's hurt. It's also two things when you say Booker needs to play that much, but they could win without him. All right, it's all of this is true. They lost by five today. They made it, they they pushed it to overtime with no Booker, with Paul not playing great. All right, so... This stretch might increase the desperation. I think it should increase the desperation. I think these young core guys should be treating it as prove-it time. Aiton has stepped up these past two games. He's been mostly good during this stretch of losing. I would say the Celtics game being a a little bit of an exception. But from now until, you know, January 15th when Aiton can be traded and then until the trade deadline, this is going to continue to be a time where you have to know what you have. You have to know whether you should kick it into higher gear. And Booker being out won't help that in terms of judging it as a whole. You, It's hard to look at this without Booker and, and have a clear idea. But in some ways, maybe it'll actually be a little bit more clarifying for James Jones, for this front office, to be able to look at the whole thing and say, we got to be realistic about how much Booker is, is, is elevating us when he's in there, how much we're asking him to do to elevate us, and what needs to change so that that all 
is not so urgent on him so we can help him not have to play so many minutes, not potentially be injured, and be a better team overall. This can be that clarifying moment, and I think today's game kind of was. Because at the end of the day, again, they did not have the offensive firepower to fight back against Zion at the peak of his powers. And they lost the game as a result of it. They, they put themselves in a hole uh, in that second quarter, in that third quarter, and uh, and weren't able to get back out of it. That'll do it for today's show. Aaron Edwards will be, be, will be here on Tuesday to get you ready for Suns Rockets and talk a little bit about this losing streak, unfortunately. Enjoy your Monday. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. And in the meantime, go make Locked On Sports today your second listen to get caught up on everything else going on around the whole world of sports. That show is available on every podcast platform, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.